Welcome back to Changing the Times. I'm your host, Josh Daishi, and I'm joined by my colleague, David Ulek. David, as we head into the last weekend of May, many of us are struggling to find ways to entertain ourselves while social distancing from another from others as we deal with COVID-19 from afar. The disease has infected almost 6 million people worldwide and taken more than 100,000 American lives. Tonight, we are fortunate to be speaking with Tyler Dara, who is dealing with COVID-19 in a completely different way. Tyler has become one of the heroes that is battling disease on the front line. He's been working in one of the downtown hospitals in Philadelphia. Tyler, thank you for joining us. How are you and where are you right now? Hey, Josh and David. Uh, thanks for having me on the podcast tonight. So right now, uh, I've been a chemo-certified oncology nurse in Philadelphia for about three years now. Two months ago, I was asked and volunteered to work on an all-COVID-19 floor. It's been quite an eventful couple months. Tyler, tell us about it. Tell us your story, what you're seeing every day, how you're handling things, what some of your sure. colleagues are facing. Sure. First off, the threat of this virus is legitimate. It, it is by no means a hoax, especially with anyone for un, with underlying medical conditions such as obesity, diabetes, sleep apnea, or any compromised immune systems, especially respiratory disorders as well, like asthma and COPD. Those people are all at high risks. The death toll nationwide speaks for itself, and people with those underlying conditions need to be extremely cautious. In a better light, our cases have been downtrending quite well over the past three weeks. Our case numbers are down about 60, per, 60 to 70 percent from our peak number of cases in April. Tyler, in the beginning and even throughout, medical supplies such as gowns, gloves, masks have been very hard to come by. Has your hospital had enough supplies to support your, you and some of your colleagues? Sure. First off, I'd like to say my coworkers have done an incredible job of adapting to these rapidly changing and unpredictable times. Um, fortunately, we have never ran out of supplies or masks, thanks to, thanks to a number of different organizations with donations and uh, government support. Um, even places like New York that were hit so heaven that were hit so heavenly uh, never ran out of ICU ventilators, despite some of the original demands from their governor. Tyler, question I have here is: You hear all these stories, especially in New York. You're in Philadelphia, not too far from New York. All the n nurses, hospital staff is completely overworked and working overtime. Is that the case in? the hospital that you are at or is it any different sure so um our our hours have remained pretty much the same i i work three 12-hour night shifts per week and i uh kind of create my schedule based on the hospital's need my hours have been the same it's just uh they've been moving a lot of nurses around to different floors for example the floor that i work on now is an all covid 19 floor that is compromised of about three or four different oncology floors. So the ability of these nurses to adapt to these times and uh, quickly orient themselves and others to the unit has been very impressive and I'm blessed to have such great coworkers. Tyler, they oftentimes say when people go through difficult times, they lean on one another. Have you and your coworkers come even closer than you were prior to this? Oh, absolutely. Um, 
fortunately, I've been able to maintain some amazing friendships being a nurse for the past three years and even during my co-ops at Drexel. I still uh, have a lot of friends that I've met over the past six, seven, eight years of being in nursing school and becoming an RN. Um, times like this definitely bring us closer together and um, we definitely work together to reach a common goal. And it's just, it's so good to see these numbers trending down the way they have been the last two or three weeks. What's been the hardest part about this on you and some, and some of your coworkers? So um, whenever you're in these rooms, obviously we're, we're wearing the, the gown, we're wearing the mask, we're wearing the face shield, sometimes an N95 respirator as well. Uh, it can get pretty hot in there and uh, you're breathing a lot of steam up into your eyes, clogging up your goggles. <sighs> um, so just um, we're doing our best to keep our cool and keep our resources together properly while also keeping each other safe and preventing from any of this from spreading back to our personal homes outside of work. How much interaction have you had with your parents? I know you're close. Have you seen them since this started? So my mother has been a nurse for over 30 years and we actually work at the same hospital. So I've been able to see her at work safely when we're both wearing a mask. Um, as far as my other family members, such as my grandparents and other friends, I've kind of been out of touch with uh fortunately i've been able to play a little bit of golf thanks to governor wolf opening up the golf courses about a month ago so i like to uh play a little bit of golf on my days off to keep my mind clear yeah golf is uh totally safe as far as a social distancing aspect sport uh they've initiated all sorts of new rules not touching the flag sticks, keeping six feet from your playing partners. And uh, I think the golf courses are doing a good job with giving people the chance to get some fresh air and uh, clear their minds. Quick question. Um, how would you, obviously this is very, very serious. How is the morale of the patients inside? I know some of them are ventilators and they're, they're going through a really hard time, but how is the morale morale of the patients? the The patients are the patients are scared when they come here and they realize that they have this COVID nineteen diagnosis. And unfortunately, um, a number of them do go through this decline where they require more and more oxygen. They start on a nasal cannula. They then require high flow, and eventually are intubated where they will head to the MICU. And um, unfortunately, people are passing away in the MICU when they decide to cut some of those prevent some of those measures. And um, so the patients are scared, but thankfully, we are able to discharge them very quickly home to those that do not require any oxygen es escalation. Tyler, you said in the beginning of this interview that you made the choice to be on this floor. Why? So my manager asked a few of us if we'd be willing to work on a COVID-19 floor. And uh, I said, I said I would go wherever I'm needed. And I'm actually really happy to be a part of this cause. Tyler, you see in many cases, you're seeing death every day. What's the hardest part about 
this process and, and what you're seeing and how are you handling it emotionally each day? So, yes, uh, like I said, before I went to this COVID floor, I've been working in oncology for almost three years now. So we have a lot of pancreatic cancer and uh, brain cancer, lung cancer, et cetera. And unfortunately, we, we do see these people go to palliative care and hospice measures. And we just we do our best to keep them comfortable. And um, um, I, I do my best to keep my mind clear and just to support my patients through these difficult times and it keep their family members up to date. But I actually, I haven't been in the MICU with these COVID-19 patients, so I, I can't really say what they're going through there because I know it's been extremely difficult because the hospitals are not allowing visitors. So a lot of these end of life decisions have to be made via phone call or Skype with family members. So I can't imagine how scary it is for some of these patients to be alone for this long in the MICU. Tyler, do you think we're, we're taking the right steps as a society well, with the social distancing, with the mask? I mean, it's not masks are not required to be worn in every state like they are in Pennsylvania, New York, New York and New Jersey. Are, do you think our government is taking the right steps? To, to, to move? Josh, that's a great question. So um, I have a I have a few personal opinions about that question. So the overall goal of our government was originally to prevent the overflux of the healthcare systems, which at this point in time was considered largely successful. Our numbers are down, like I said, 60 to 70% in my hospital. Um, we never actually ran out of ventilators in places where we thought we might. And now we have to ask ourselves a number of questions moving forward. How long do we continue to wear the masks? How long will the media continue to spread fear and hysteria to people that aren't even at a huge risk for dying of this disease? So the fact that we were able to prevent the overflooding of the healthcare system, now how long do we wear the masks? Do we wait for the vaccine? Which the vaccine I've heard is projected for 2021, 2022. So that still might be quite some time from now. And my fear is with people wearing these masks outside all the time, in their car, walking their dogs alone, is that they won't be exposed to the basic bacteria and particles in the air that we need to keep our immune system strong. So quick, you actually just half answered my next question. So I'm, I've been reading a lot of projections that they're saying this flu season is going to be one of the strongest ever. And a lot of the reason is because we have been social distancing and the hand sanitizer and basically no contact with society. So we have not built up any immune systems. What is your personal opinion on that? Well, we're, we're all required to get flu shots, obviously everyone that works at the hospital. And we encourage everyone to get a flu shot every year. So I, I'm i not quite sure what's going to happen this, this flu season, but definitely getting the flu shot is going to reduce a lot of those risks of anyone dying from the flu. Tyler, we talk about right now Major League Sports. Obviously, I know you're a sports fan. Can you envision – them opening the stadiums in the fall for an Eagles game and have putting 70, 80,000 in, in the arena. 
Hey, Josh, great, great question there. So my sister's an Eagles cheerleader, so I'm a proud brother. So I, I like to get to a couple games every year. And to be honest, I, I think out of all the sports leagues, I, I kind of project the NFL to be the most cautious. Whether that means they'll allow half the fans in the stadium, a quarter of the fans in the stadium, or no fans at all in the stadium, I feel this football season won't be quite the same that we're used to. Um, obviously, they still have a lot of decisions to make over the next few months. The season starts in September, so I'm sure Roger Goodell and the Eagles organization are, are working their best to try to figure all this out. But I can't imagine um, the season ticket holders and their thoughts right now about what games they're going to be able to attend. And I know they're offering the options to push back all season tickets to next year if you'd like to opt out. But uh, I, I hope that we see football this year in some, in some regard. Tyler, for those of us that have remained healthy and we're abiding by the social guidelines, is there steps that we can continue to take, whether it's taking vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, um, more sunlight, exercise? What are some of the things that we can do to kind of prevent us from getting this disease? Yeah, um, obviously, I, I hope that we all continue to wear masks in drug stores and food stores for the next few months, if, if not into next year. So anywhere we're, we're in areas that are condensed and populated, we need to continue to wear masks. And uh, I'm a big believer in exposing yourself to sunlight, vitamin D. Um, I, I take vitamin C supplements and a general vitamin daily. But um, and also it's just it's so big to get out there and exercise, go for a jog, go for a run, eat healthy. Um, I have I have some fears that some people are locking themselves indoors for months at a time. And I my fear is that five, six, seven years down the road, we're going to see all of these medical conditions arise, high blood pressure diabetes, obesity, and that's that's not something that I'd like to see happen. Yeah, absolutely. Let me ask you another question. Obviously, being on the front line, so you're taking other supplements just to, for your own self. Is there other, asp other things that we need to do um, that you're seeing that other doctors are saying, hey, we need to continue to do this, or, or when the patient leaves, he's got to take more of this to get him back healthier and remain healthy? Not there's still there's still so much clinic so many clinical trials going on. Um, like I said, I'm I'm not really taking much other than just a daily vitamin and vitamin C, which is um, anyone can buy that from CVS. I know this hydroxychloroquine is still up in the air whether that's going to protect anyone or not, but that's still under research from the CDC. So I, I really wouldn't recommend taking anything that your doctor does not prescribe. Tyler, what about the states that aren't requiring masks? Are they at a greater risk than the ones that are right now? Well, one of, one of my pet peeves right now is how the United States has kind of made Florida the enemy. Between the media posting pictures of hundreds of people next to each other on the beach I have a number of friends down in Florida, and I've heard that they've actually done a great job of being cautious down there. And um, actually, their numbers have been quite fine since reopening. So 
I think that we need to stop treating this as a national issue. I think that we need to allow the states to address their problems based on what they think is best. And I, I really think I think the governor of Florida has had a lot of really good statements recently. So you think Governor Wolf and Governor Murphy of New Jersey and Governor Cuomo of New York should start loosening the gamut a little bit and start reopening and letting people get get back to a normal life, reopening the country. So we got hit really hard here in the Northeast, I believe. Well, number one cases was New York. Number two was Jersey. And number three was PA, I believe. So obviously we have to handle this a lot differently than places like Montana or Wyoming. So I think that's why Governor Wolf is being so cautious. And I know right now the earliest we could reopen would be June 4th. So we'll see what they decide. And um, I hope that they see these downtrends in our cases and hopefully we'll be back to normal maybe by fall. Tyler, I cannot thank you enough for coming on and telling us your story. I know David and I wish you all the best uh, going forward. You're one of the heroes, man. Um, to you and your colleagues and your and your mom and your parents, stay safe and thanks so much. David, you want to take us out? Thank you, Tyler. Just um, remember at the end of listening to this, like, subscribe, comment on whatever platform you are listening to. It really helps us grow our podcast. And thank you for listening to Changing the Times. Sure. Thanks, thanks for having me.